Welcome everyone to It's Fine, an official podcast of Broken Arrow Public Schools on the AeroVision Network. I'm your host, Adam J. Foreman, Executive Director of Public Relations, and we are discussing all things fine arts today. And this podcast is made possible by our wonderful One Club sponsors, First National Bank of Broken Arrow, TTCU, the Federal Credit Union, Ascension St. John Broken Arrow, Tulsa Bona Joint, and the Arrow Group. So I want to welcome my special guest today. With me, I have Mr. Justin Rosser, Director of Vocal Music. Hello, Justin. Hi there. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm well. I'm good. Thanks for asking. That's so nice. And Ms. Kim Ricard, Director of Orchestra. Hey, how are you? I'm doing fine. You're doing fine. We're all fine today. And how funny, because it's the podcast fine. is called It's Fine. When I tell that to people, that's how I always say it, and they always get a little chuckle. So, uh, Roster, we're going to start with you. Tell us about your background in education and leading up to what you are doing today. Okay. Um, I graduated from Broken Arrow High School. Then I attended, What year? Um, a few years ago. <laughs> 2012. Right. 1995. <laughs> and then I went to Oklahoma City University where I got a bachelor's in music education. And just recently, um, two years ago, I finished my graduate work. Really? All these years later. So Fantastic. I have a master's in music education. Thank you. A master's in music education from Southeastern Oklahoma State University. That's wonderful. So tell me about all the programs that you herald here at the high school. Well, at this point, the program ex- consists of two competitive show choirs, an advanced treble group, a uh, an advanced mix group, and we also have open enrollment choirs. We used to have a jazz choir, and I'd like to see that come back someday, um, but in its place, uh, right now we have a class called Vocal Studio, which is a, a great place for students who want to major in music to come. We do a little bit of music theory in that class, some music history, and as well as vocal technique to prepare them to major in music in college. Very nice. So, and this is also, you're the director of vocal music for the entire district, is that I correct? Do, I do chair that position, and it's, re- it's really just um, an organization position. I don't get to... But you communicate and talk to all oh, the fellow yes. choir directors throughout the, the district and all that stuff, yes. uh, even all the way down to elementary level, correct? I work with some of the elementary teachers, but I'm not um, a part of their Because, you know, that was my favorite class growing up was music class. Like, I couldn't wait to get there like, as a kid. Absolutely. Yes. All right, Kim, let's go over to you. Tell us about your educational background and all that good stuff. Well, I went to East Central High School in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then I went to the University of Tulsa and majored in music performance. Uh, rewind. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Dang, yeah. I'm going to put in a rewind sound right there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Majored nice. in uh, music education. Boy, <laughs> told you. That's okay. Uh, this is my 34th year of teaching for Broken Hair. Wow. Did we say how many years you teach, Justin? How many years? Not. This is my 19th year and 19th. my 16th year in Broken Hair Public Schools. Fantastic. And I remember him as middle school student. <laughs> was he your middle school student? No, he wasn't. You didn't do orchestra when you were a child? But she knew who I was. That's, that should tell you plenty. Everybody knows <laughs> who you are. You are the famous Justin Rosser. So 34 years in BA, and all your teaching years have been in BA. Yes. Wow, that's fantastic. That's awesome. I love lifers. I love it. I wish I could say I was a lifer, but I went to Claremore. So, yeah, forgive me, please. But we're zebras. We're everywhere. So what I want to talk about today, that's why we hide in the, you know, the bushes with our stripes. Anyway, I want to talk about today, let's flash back to a, about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, when a certain little thing happened called a pandemic. And education shifted 
pivoted, if you will, which is the word I cannot stand to hear, but we pivoted, if you will. And for a lot of classes like social studies or math and whatnot, that pivot was easy for them because it entailed, you know, more textbook centered curriculum. For you guys who have all hands on everything, vocals and playing instruments, you had to go a whole new direction. So let's start with that. How, Justin, did you figure out how to turn vocal music into a pandemic-friendly COVID atmosphere and not lose engagement? Well, that's a really great question. I'm not sure I did um, have a really great transition that, that kept them engaged. It was, it was, it was rough. Right. You, you just can't have an ensemble sort of class where they need to hear one another and they need to learn from one another in in an online setting. So we pivoted, if you Good will. Good word. To some <laughs> I might more, have a gong right. next time that word is used. Or, or we could put down money. Every yeah. time. <laughs> um, we did a lot of music theory and some music history, and we, we focused on the craft from other perspectives that are important, but, you know, performance-based classes that can't have performances, that's rough. Yeah. It's really challenging. We could work one-on-one with students, and we did do that which was great for individual technique. But as, as far as group technique goes, you can't hear one another when you're on, in a Zoom class. Well, when people who don't sing look at that, they don't understand that you have to hear so much when you're in a group. Like, That's right. Because if you hear somebody's off here and you're not where you need to be, the whole thing just... Go south. I like to tell my kids that we succeed and we fail together. Oh, that's even great. If, even if 99% of us are doing the right thing, if 1% is off, then it's not correct and we got to go back and get everybody together. Well, and it probably didn't help either that all of the, the pandemic news said, don't sing because that puts out this many particles in the air and don't yell because <laughs> your whole thing is about breathing and projecting. We did get to come back in person and we were masked and my kids were singing and dancing and doing all those things. It was kind of amazing because... Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, you know, it's it's difficult to sing and dance anyway, but then we had a, we put a mask on them. Yeah. And the first time they took the mask off, I was like, oh, wow, you're super loud. Because, <laughs> I, I, you know, you go a whole right. semester or more yeah. and you don't realize how much the mask can, you know, get in the way of the singing. Yeah. And I saw videos of that and thought that, man, those kids have got it, that they've dancing in a mask, number one, Mm -hmm. and then dancing plus singing in a mask. I can barely walk up the steps in a mask. So yeah, kudos to those kids. Absolutely. We were going to be stronger students beyond this just because of that experience. I agree. So Ricard, same question about how do you do hands-on when you can't be hands-on? How did you pivot in that time? We did a lot of instruction. We started off with everyone on board watching me on the video. And then I broken up into sectionals and I'd move from classroom to classroom in sectionals and I had various students that would lead the sectionals. And it that a sectional is just basically one person instructing everyone, here's how to do this technique, here's how to do this, and them actually trying to follow along. Um, the students would submit videos of their playing and I would go back through and evaluate them. And then I'd make a video of me explaining how to correct that. And I bet that made them better players. Oh, yeah. I bet that did because they had to focus so much and kind of be their own, like take leadership of their own craft. Right. Well, The problem is you don't have anybody to match pitch with. Right. And so you're listening to yourself and sometimes they're 
there and sometimes they're not. And sometimes those pitch iPhone apps are just not as good as you want them to be. <laughs> True. It, can, it says it's tuned, but is it tuned though? Yeah. So that's, that's amazing to me to watch those kids from that era kind of, I say that era cause it really was an era and, and just amazing because the way I know it, and you guys know this too, is that students choose to be in fine arts. It's not a math course they have to take. It's not a social studies course they have to take. They want to be there. So following on that, student engagement is a huge part of the fine arts. Mm -hmm. Getting kids to, number one, be engaged, but also, you know, they get their friends engaged because they're, you know, they're doing choir and then their friends. So what are some, what are some different ideas that you've had for student engagement to like not only get students involved, but retain their engagement? We've looked at programming. I mean, this year um, we are planning to go to New York City, and that was intentional. Coming out of the pandemic, we wanted to get students excited about being in choir, so we thought, let's go to New York. I love New York. New York is one of my favorite places in the whole world. I do too, and I, I think the kids are going to have a blast. We're going to see a Broadway show, So, I mean, and lots of other things. But So that's the first thing we've done, and we've also... Um, begun to engage our high school students with the, um, I kind of took a note from doc, uh, Mr. Card here, <gasps> dun, 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 dun. engage the high school students with some middle school students to, to keep that continuity from sixth through 12th grade. So they'll um, stay enrolled in and If we could keep them all, our enrollment's going to grow every year. You know, we have a little bit of attrition. Of course. When you Good from, word. You're just full of <laughs> SAT words today. <laughs> He's smart folks. I, well, <laughs> thank you. Um, you know, moving from one building, one building to the next building, it's always, it's rough. And when they have more offerings as you get into a new building, it, you know, they, they have to pick and choose sometimes. And so we're really trying to keep them engaged with our current students. And we've, our middle school teachers have actually started going down to the elementary schools and spending more time with those kids to encourage them to come into choir into middle school. So that's kind of like our pathways. Like it just stays on that and, and keeps them going. I remember when I was a kid, I don't know if it happened in Broken Arrow, but the high school kids would come perform for us at middle school levels. And I just thought, man, I can't wait to do that. Like that was so inspiring to me. So the fact that they're all starting to see each other do that is I think, amazing. And we're going to do that too. And in, in the next semester, the high school will go and visit the middle school students. I loved it. When we got to do this a couple of years ago, we went to Childers and we actually had lunch with the some choir kids and our kids ate with them and had a little bit of um, a fellowship time. And then yeah. it was during um, their school lunch too. So we actually got to perform for half of the school and they were amazing kids. I just thought, you know, I'll take all of you, all yeah. 500 of you. Let's go. So you performed not only for the choir kids, but the whole middle school kids. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. That was just by chance that we got to do that. And I was so grateful. Well, and you were a middle school choir teacher. So I, you've, you've been was. there mm -hmm. in that. And middle school, I always say that middle school teachers have a special place in heaven. I agree. <laughs> I, I always tell people, if you can teach middle school choir, you can you do, can do anything. anything. Yes. If you can teach middle school, you can do anything. I, I substituted a couple of times back in the day and someone said, well, what would you rather do? Kindergarten or like eighth grade? I was like, oh, bring on the kindergartners any day Absolutely. they still like you mm -hmm. at that point <laughs> and they're not all crazy what about you ricard what about student engagement with your program one thing that we've um started again last spring was our band show program it's broken arrow middle school honors orchestra and we revamped it to where i'm the lead teacher and my understudies are high school students oh beautiful i actually uh, work with the students um it's like an early uh, music education type class. And we work together. They plan their lesson plans. They plan um, the lead teachers on each song. 
then plan how are we going to break this down into sectionals. And when we have sectionals, I have one high schooler to every three to four middle schoolers. And they get lots of peer tutoring and lots of positive encouragement. And then we go on and we continue to work with all that. And then I work on one piece. Then we, they perform on a concert with a high school. What I'm hearing from you is ownership. Mm-hmm. And yes. that's what I think is so important for students. Because if they feel like they've got that, then, then they're like, I'm a piece of this. Not just being told, here's what you're doing. And I love that aspect of it. The nice thing is I've actually had middle school students say, when can I start teaching at Bancho? Oh, nice. So it's it's coming around. And what's that acronym? BAM Show? BAM Show. I like it. Broken Bam. Middle School Honors Orchestra. I love that. I'm, I'm taking a note from her because I, we, we're working towards doing something like that with vocal music because I just think that's amazing to watch her students at the high school grow from doing those lessons with the middle school kids. That's and mm-hmm. the story she tells me. I'm those really seeds. impressed. Yes. And I have 10 to 15 high school students helping every Tuesday night with that while it's in session. Above and beyond their normal everyday. That's fantastic. That's engagement right there. That's right. So we talked about the students. Let's talk about the importance of parents in your programs because each of you has a, a parent group or a booster club or something of the like or just parents of your kids that are either really involved or don't know anything like my parents didn't know I was in choir I didn't know anything about that tell them anything but some are really involved so let's talk about parents and I'll start with you Kim I'll I'll go back to her (laughs) how important are the parents to your programs not just you know being there but like their rides for the kids and they come to events all that stuff the funny thing with orchestra kids most of them still don't drive even my seniors a lot of them don't drive. Is there a reason? Is there a correlation for that? They are so busy w- with their other studies that they don't have time Driving for takes it. a backseat, no pun intended. <laughs> Literally, yeah, it does take a backseat for most of these students. So they are all, almost all of them are, you know, at the mercy of their parents. Wow. And there's several of the parents that will bring a group of kids and drop them off and another parent takes them back. And that's worth its weight in gold and a lot of stuff, I think. And then you always need those parents to chaperone for various things and to help out at any occasion, like the concerts. They're like homeroom moms, but for, you know, high school. Yeah. What about your parent group? Well, as I've been at the high school, this is my 11th year at the high school, the parent organization has grown immensely and they've taken on so much responsibility. Um, They've become a sanctioned booster club. So there's a whole... What does that mean for the viewers out there who don't know what that means? Sanctioned Booster Club. A Sanctioned Booster Club basically has the ability to financially run an account for the group. That's the biggest thing. The most... the most lucrative So fundraising. Fundraising yes. and paying bills and things like that. And we have about um, a board of six people that organize all of our parents and they communicate with the parents about events. They um, organize... Um, chaperones as well and even things that uh, people don't think about like uh, the ushers at our concerts those are mostly parents and volunteers for the PAC but uh, our parents are in, uh, they are invaluable they just offer so much to what we do and and what used to be the responsibility of one or two people has been has grown to six people that sounds great but so has the uh, amount of work that they do and we could not function without them so let's let's still get a, a specific event not too long ago you had a cookie walk is what i hear the cookie walk it's famous i tell you was that a parent-led initiative 
So in 2016, we'll go all the way back to 2016. Oh, hold on. I got to rewind my mind. Uh-huh. What year is this? Okay, go. I went to a camp in Illinois called Show Choir Camps of America, and I met some teachers that were um, veteran show choir teachers, and I learned so much from them. And one of them talked to me about her cookie walk, and basically the kids would bring in a couple of dozen of homemade cookies, and they would decorate the venue where they were performing for their Christmas concert and sell cookies. And so, you know, during a pandemic now, current current day, um, we actually had the students go to some um, local bakeries and, and purchase those cookies for us to sell. And we, we fundraise those cookies. We also have a, a massive um, silent auction that goes along with that. So it is, a, it's a, it's an event in itself on top of having an amazing concert, which it was a really amazing concert, and I partnered with my friend over here, Miss Ricard, and I have to say it was one of the best concerts that I've had in a while. So, so it, was, it was a combination, right, of yes. multiple groups? <clears throat> what groups were involved? We had the freshman uh, choir and orchestra along with the high school choir and orchestra. Oh, wow. That stage was filled, wasn't it? Yes, it was. All night long. An hour <laughs> and 45 minutes. Are non-stop. you serious? We, we had my a 10-minute intermission. What are you, Neil Diamond? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I pulled Neil Diamond out of the air, but God, I love Neil Diamond. <laughs> Anyway, um, so you already talked about connecting to younger students through the district. Um, when does their journey begin with, with fine arts students? I think in kindergarten, really, for me, I mean, I, I remember when I was in kindergarten, my not kindergarten, in elementary school, I had two music teachers because I transferred to a new school. They built Westwood, and so I had to go to Westwood. Um, that's how old I am. <laughs> but I had amazing music teachers that made me fall in love with it. Who were they? Um, I love the name check. Miss Rindick, she's no longer with the district, and Miss Phillips, I think she moved on to Jinx. I love them. They were goofy and silly and strict and loving. And it was, I mean, I just found my place. I knew where I belonged. And I'm sure a lot of people, whether they go into choir, orchestra, or band, or even drama, and maybe even, um, you know, the other performing arts. Is that all of them? I think that is, yes. <laughs> um, that starts really in that getting them excited about performing, getting them excited about singing and making music and moving their bodies. It's just, I think that's when it starts. But then in sixth grade, of course, for choir, that's when they are officially in a choir class every single day. I think most of the elementary schools have a fifth grade honor choir, but um, sixth grade is where they really begin that I go to choir every day. I have a set schedule for concerts and things like that. I remember nothing of hardly any of my education, but my kindergarten music teacher was Mrs. Chambers, and I remember that to the end of the world because she was so pivotal in me loving music, so I totally get that. What about you, Kim? Yours is a little different. Well, yeah, um, for the instrumental program, band and orchestra, they can all start in sixth grade, but with the orchestra, we start off with summer strings, which is... So tell me about Summer Strings. What a great segue. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about this Summer, summer Strings. Summer Strings is a program that uh, it's a one-week summer camp. It's actually four days. And the kids get to come in. And the first day of camp, first hour, we demonstrate instruments. And it's me along with the middle school directors and high school students helping out. Um, we demonstrate the instruments, and then we want every child to touch each instrument, violin, viola, cello, and bass, and decide what is your focus going to be on this week. And then we go through the week, and we teach them how to hold the instrument, some real basic how to do pit staccato on the instrument, which means to pluck the string 
Well, the I, index I knew what staccato <laughs> meant. I totally knew what that meant. Absolutely. So uh, uh, we teach them how to do that. And by the end of the week, most of them can play. Mary had a little lamb. Um, That's impressive. We do some music theory. We go outside and uh, I we draw a staff on the sidewalk and we jump up and down. And, you know, it's like a uh, twister on the staff for note names. Tell me there's like a third grader that wants to play the stand-up bass and is just like <laughs> trying so oh, hard to reach The out. nice thing is string instruments come in different sizes. Interesting. So you may have a, a sixth grader that starts on a full-size violin, but you may have another one on a one-eighth size. And we have a string bass, I think that's a one-tenth. Wow. Of the have. actual size of a giant stand-up bass. Yeah. I love those guys. Those are my favorite. They're just they're just having the best time. You just see it. Any bass player, it seems like, is having the best time. Yeah. Are you a bass player, yes, Mr. Carter? Yes, that's my primary instrument. Okay, yes. So you play that. What else do you play besides that? I play all the strings, and I also... <clears throat> you play guitar? Not the guitar. I play violin, viola, cello, bass. Uh-huh. But she can play the piano, too. My, ah, I mutilated the <laughs> piano. But uh, I did... Honky-tonk uh, piano. Play the tuba. <laughs> Oh, the tuba. Also, Were you in the band? In, oh, oh, yes. I marched in high school. It was a bet uh, between my <laughs> nice. sophomore and junior. I couldn't learn how to play it well enough to come back and march in the fall, and no problem. Hey, the strings are your friend. Oh, yeah. So, Rosser, you play piano, obviously. I, I do. I, okay. What did you play when you marched in the band? Because I know you were part of the Pride of Broken Arrow. I was Arrow. part of the Pride. I was a drum major for the Pride. Um, a I drum played, major? I was, yes. What? Many years ago. Uh, we're sitting in royalty uh, right no, now. no, no, no. no. Um, I played the trumpet. I went to Haskell Middle School, and then I went to North, and uh, up to the high school. Yeah. So when I, I interviewed all the way through. Mr. Davis in another podcast, he mentioned all the schools, and none of them existed anymore. And you just mentioned schools that don't exist. The only you one is Westwood, Haskell, That's and right. North. And I went to Northeast, which is now named Rhodes. So none of my names are in existence. What have you done? That's, what have you it's done? It's my fault. It's because your legacy was so big they couldn't oh. continue. That's I'm, just I'm what happened. Sad that's the case. If that's the case. <laughs> well, let's talk about real quick the future of your programs, and 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 this is kind of an open question to either one of you. Like, what are some things that you're going to do? What are some things that you would love to do? And what are just some things that you just dream in a perfect world? You had all the money and time in the world you would want to do. Either one. Um, I would love to see us have uh, enough enrollment where we could have another staff member, so that we could have a, a more diverse offering I, I studio work would be awesome and maybe that's a conversation to have with vanguard because it's kind of tech oriented right i'd love to see that i'd love to see some um adaptive music classes for students of all ability and that would be amazing to offer step to, uh, classes to more than just kids who want to sing I, that's honestly i'd love to see that and i'd love to see um across the district the enrollment to um to get to a point where we needed to hire a full-time accompanist at the middle school level or collaborative pianist i guess i should say and and have that for our students that's and our teachers would benefit greatly from having that not to be stuck behind a piano and actually work with the kids right yes um you know and honestly i think more vocal technique classes would be a wonderful thing maybe having um private instructors come in we just need more space to be able to do that so and when you said studio is that like one-on-one yes. kind of uh, coaching or what? one-on-one coaching one-on-one lessons um just we there our uh, fine arts programs are so successful here at the high school we are on top of each other and we just need more space so 
I'd love to see more facilities too. And is is a studio That's kind definitely. of more of like a collegiate model? Absolutely. Studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember my friends that were music majors like, oh, I have to go do studio, blah, blah, blah. Of course, in my head, like, what, you're recording tonight? Because I just think recording studio. I was like, man, you're recording a lot of songs. That would be a great thing too to have. I would love to have a studio recording. Wonderful. A whole, where people can learn engineering and mastering and the whole shebang. I, I love it. All right, Kim, what about you? Future, what do you think? Oh, I wouldn't mind another uh, trip collaborative collaborative trip for all of us to I think so too Carnegie Hall was great I was there at Carnegie Hall and I loved every single minute of that entire there were a few moments (laughs) like I remember a moment (laughs) (laughs) for those who are listening and don't recall and maybe haven't heard uh, a couple of Miss Ricard's instruments were destroyed in route six altogether as they were on their way and uh, the folks that were in charge scrambled around New York City on Easter Sunday to find the replacement instruments and they showed up yes. miraculously um, right before they went on the stage. Right before they went yeah. on stage. I think like it was lights down. Here come the instruments. We borrowed five instruments from a youth symphony in Florida. And then we had to scrounge to find number six, but trying to find six cellos. Mm-hmm. On yeah. Easter Sunday in New York. On City. Easter Sunday in New York city, but you did it. And that show was phenomenal. I remember watching her kids rehearse on the stage thinking, what, what are those kids doing? They just, Bowing the air, they didn't have. An, they were practicing without their instruments. I saw that. Yeah, they were just kind of sitting there with their hands in the air, miming, and but that was what they did. Still working. Yeah, yeah. muscle memory. That's right. Okay, so you want to see another big collaborative? Oh, thing like I that. would love it. It, you know, let's go to Europe. Let's go to Hawaii. You know, that's great too. <laughs> Europe would be phenomenal. My gosh, playing in an old coliseum or something of that nature. I'll go, get, I'll go get my go. passport tomorrow. Okay. We'll get this happening. <laughs> Not a problem. Well, we're going to wrap up now. That that went by pretty quick, don't you think? Does, did it feel yeah. like 25 minutes? Nope. No. no. Yeah, so you make it so fun. Yeah. <laughs> any parting words to, to anybody? Any last minute stuff uh, before we call it a day? Um, thanks for listening. Yes. It's a great day to be a t- fine art tiger. Well, and thanks to both <laughs> of you for being on here. Cause I know, and I talked to everybody who does the show. It's a little nerve wracking at first. You're like, oh, I can hear myself in headphones and what am I going to talk about? But it's, it's a lot of fun and people will get to see another side of the fine arts that they previously hadn't seen. So thank you, Justin Rosser for joining us today. My pleasure. And thank you, Kim Ricard for joining us today. Super proud to be sitting here across from you guys. So this has been another episode of It's Fine, the official Broken Republic Schools podcast on the AeroVision Network. And we thank you for tuning in.